The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews is brought to you by Spirituality and Health Magazine, the Soul Body Connection. Visit SpiritualityHealth.com today. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. And speaking of those mysteries of life, it's in those darkest moments when we wonder what the heck is going on that we're actually changing in such an alchemical way that we don't recognize it until later. Regina Brett has been there and back. Regina has been writing professionally since 1986 and writing columns since 1994. Her current column focuses on issues of everyday life, sometimes touching, often funny, and always provocative. Her articles touch people where they live. She was a Pulitzer Prize finalist two times for columns she wrote in The Plain Dealer, Ohio's largest newspaper. By popular demand, one of those columns turned into a book later. God Never Blinks, 50 Lessons for Life's Little Detours is an inspirational collection of essays and stories about life's lessons based on that column that she wrote after turning 50 about her own life's lessons. These lessons have now traveled the world from Austin to Australia. One car dealer in Cincinnati hands out the lessons to customers. A cancer care agency gives them out with every wig. Teachers share them with students. Essentially, they have taken on a life of their own. Regina also hosts a weekly radio show on WCPN 90.3 FM in Cleveland, and it's the NPR affiliate station. So we are very, very glad to get to interview uh, Regina Brett today about her very popular book, God Never Blinks. Regina, thanks so much for being on the show today. Andrea, thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, I'm going to just jump right in here with one of the hardest questions right off. You say that life isn't tied with a bow, but it's still a gift. There are so many people out there telling their children right this minute that life is hard with that defeated tone in their voices. How is it that life can actually be a gift given all of its difficulties? Well, you know, I think the gift is right in the midst of all those hard things. It's just hard to see right when you're stuck there. You know, I look back at my life and I can, in the rearview mirror, I can see the gifts. But when I was going through the difficulties, I couldn't see it. You know, I had cancer 12 years ago, and that's something no one wants to have and go through. But now I can look back and say there are so many lessons and so many blessings and so many gifts. It's not something I would want to have happen, but I think when something comes our way, whether it's a disease or death or unemployment or something that you wouldn't pick on the menu of life, that in the midst of that, you can still see that there are gifts in the people that come your way and the lessons that come your way. Right, absolutely. So, okay, let's go. You, you talked about cancer. Let's go to the, uh, you also mentioned in your book that you came, overcame your own troubled childhood. Do you have sort of general advice for others who wish to overcome their childhood? 
Well, you know, I grew up in a family of 11 children, so I kind of felt lost in the litter. You know, there's just a lot of kids, a lot going on, and I had industrial strength parents that, you know, they were able to put a roof over the head and feed, feed us and clothe us and do all those things, but they didn't have a lot of time left to, you know, tuck you in to really nurture you, and every child craves that. You know, and for a long time, I, I kind of carried that like a wound, and I realized I needed to love my parents for who they were and really release who they weren't. And I think a lot of us kind of a U-Haul truck full of all the injuries that happened to us or all the things we wish would have come our way and didn't. And they kind of follow us through life. And I think for me, I found that when I could finally release my parents and love the parents they were able to be and, and grieve maybe the parents I wished I had had, and I'm sure they had gone through the same thing in their life. They did the best they could with what they had, and so did their parents. I think when you release people and let them be who they are, then, then there creates an opening in your own life for you to be who you want to be. Okay, so now you're talking about forgiveness. Yeah, you know, I think that forgiveness, it's not a quick, easy, okay, I forgive and poof, that's it. I think you have to kind of go deep within yourself and say, okay, I'm going to love this person anyway, you know? I'm going to love them as is. We're all kind of rough. We're all kind of messy people. You know, there, there's no perfect people that I've met. And I think when you love them as is, you're able to have a kind of a mercy about it, you know. I think forgiveness might seem too big and grand sometimes, but the idea of, of being tender with people, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, it absolutely is too big and grand, and it carries a lot of, uh, you know, baggage with it, it as well. It does. Yeah. So, so okay, when you say I decided to love them, there's a, I have a kind of thinking that says that we, if we're hurt by them, then we must still love them somewhere. You know, it's a kind of, it's a twisted way of looking at things. That, that's a good way to say it, though, Andrea. I think, I think we're all so hungry. Even we become adults and we're still hungry for the mother's love we wanted or the father's attention we wanted. And we have to heal that ourselves. You know, the, my parent, my dad's been gone 11 years now, and it's, Sometimes I hear his voice in my head still, good or bad, and I realize, you know what, it's up to me now to parent myself and love myself in all those ways that I wish I would have gotten. Yes, bingo. I so agree with that. And that, and, and, and we do re- tend to resist that. We tend to want to say, well, yeah, but I don't want to have to do all that work. <laughs> well, it is work. That's true, Andrew, and I think that's what it is. You know, one of my favorite lessons in the book is number 45, The Best is Yet to Come. And it's really the story of my mom and our relationship. And I love my mom. I always have. But I didn't really know her well because there were so many of us. And she was turning 75. And a friend of mine said, why don't you start looking at what she was able to do in your life and what she was for you instead of that pain of I wish she would have been able to be there for this or that. And so I actually wrote down a list of everything that I loved about my mom. And I made a list of 75 things because she's turning 75. And I gave it to her as a gift on her birthday. And it just created an opening for us to relate in a new way. I mean, I think we have like a magnifying glass and we can put it on what wasn't there and on the wounds and on the the tragedies of life or the, the difficulties, or we can take the same magnifying glass and say, let me look for what did work. Let me look for what they were able to do and how they were able to love me. Right. Right. And I can just hear maybe some of our listening audience out there now going, yeah, but what about those parents who are still doing the same stuff they were doing back then? You know, and that is true. I don't think the the goal is to change them. I think the goal is to change me and how I see people. You know, Somebody else's part might be 99%, and if my part is 1%, I need to do my 1% 100%. And I find when I do that, it gets better. Now, that doesn't mean I have to go spend, you know, 24 hours a day with somebody who I have a difficult relationship with. I might not even want to spend time with them, but 
I can start to release them so they're not in my head every day and I'm not playing the bad home movies of whatever they said 20 years ago to me. Right, absolutely, yeah. Because that gives them all the power then, doesn't it? It does, and I think so many of us, myself included, we have those injuries. We sort of have like a a movie of them all, you know, the teacher in fifth grade who criticized my writing or the boy who dumped me in high school. And and every so often you could be 50 or 80 or whatever, and you hear that tape running, and we sometimes just sit down and watch the movie and slow it down and like feel the pain. And I think at some point you can say, you know what, that was true, but there were a lot of other things that were true also, and I want to focus on those things. Right. Exactly, exactly. So why do you think that it takes us being able to get to 50 maybe before we get some of these things? What is that about? You know, I I think maybe I'm a slow learner. I don't know if other people get to it faster. I think some of it is it's just the path of life that, you know, you go through different phases in your life and, you know, the, the world kind of becomes clear as you go. It's sort of like a fog that I think clears as you age, you know. And I'm, I'm hoping it keeps clearing. I, I know that every so often I think, wow, life is really great. And then, you know, five years later I think, wow, I didn't know this much. I didn't know this five years worth back then. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's like a continuous, like more will be revealed as you go. Yep, I agree with that. And I do think that experience is a great teacher. You know, it really does if we're listening. It's a great teacher. You're right. And most of us, myself included, we don't really want some of the experience because it's painful, All right. the mistakes we make. Right. The mistakes we make, the things that happen, all those, all in a combination. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Uh, can you give us just some highlights from the lessons that you presented in the book? Well, you know, some, one of the first lessons, it came from having cancer. Life isn't fair, but it's still good. And uh, it tells the story of this uh, little hat I have. It's a life is good hat. And when I, my hair was falling off from chemotherapy, a uh, man I met just barely knew him. He just became a new friend, Frank. He was a house painter. And Frank had a life is good hat. And I thought, I better get one of those hats because I'm going to be bald in a few weeks here. So Frank brought me a hat. And Frank has this great motto he lives by. Two words, get to. And he puts them on his visor in his car. So when he's going to work, he doesn't say, I have to go to work today. He says, I get to. You know, when he has to take his son to soccer practice, he says, I get to. And so that's one of the things cancer taught me is that I get to go to chemotherapy. I get to go to whatever I'm going to do to get well today. I get to do the laundry. All those things that sometimes can be the downers of our day, they're also gifts in themselves. You know, we have a job. Maybe we don't like it, but, geez, to be employed right now is a great gift. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a wonderful twist. I love that. That get to, get, to. get me one of those. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think, you know, even, yeah, you know, I have to mow the lawn. Well, gee, if you have a lawn, that's pretty good, you know. I mean, yeah. when you think of it, it, seeing life through the eyes of gratitude and, and kind of training yourself to see that. I know a lot of us make a list at the end of the day of what we're grateful for, but to be able to see through the day what looks like a difficulty, you know, maybe, you know, you're stuck in traffic. Okay, you have a car that runs. Okay, it's still there's a, there's a get-to. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to be on my way to work here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I like that. So, yeah, and what that does also is bring you right into the present, doesn't it? It just kind of says, okay, you're here right now doing this thing right here that you're doing. Yeah, and that's another gift that cancer brought my way was to live in the present moment. I, you know, I thought I had done that, but... When you have a difficulty that comes your way, like I said, whether it's a, a divorce or a death or unemployment or so, just something you really weren't planning on happen, if you can just stay in today, it's it's bearable, it's doable. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of my lessons, 17, is you can get through anything if you just stay put in today. And what I did 
for me with cancer, I just put kind of blinders on every morning and said, Regina, you're just going to live today. Cancer is doable one day. Losing your job is doable one day. Being a newly widowed person is, is doable one day. You know, it's when you think it's going to be endless, that the grief will last forever or the pain will last forever or the fear will last forever. It becomes unbearable. Absolutely. But when you say, you know, I can do a day of this, yeah, then you can handle it. And sometimes it's, I can do an hour of this. You know? Yeah, you're right, Andrea. You break it down into, you know, little bits and pieces. Yeah, you know? and sometimes I get to do an hour of this. <laughs> right, right. Sometimes I even look at the clock and say, okay, Regina, you can do an hour's worth of this, whatever it is. If it's a phone call I don't want to return because somebody's angry, or it's like, you know what, just look at the clock. It's one hour of maybe something unpleasant. It's bearable. You can do it. Right. Right, and I, I, that bearable idea is something that I... You know, I think our society is at a place where we don't want to have to bear anything. We don't want pain. We don't. We've. You know, I remember that old Carly Simon song. I haven't got time for the pain. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like we're 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 we want everything to be resolved in the time it takes to watch a sitcom. You know, that's a good point. We're sort of these quick instant gratification people. You know, everything's fast. Fast food, drive-throughs. I think we want to get our lessons in life that way. And sometimes they just take time, and they take as long as they take. Right. You know, I have a friend right now who's uh, going through treatment for cancer. She's 38, and she says, geez, I've been in this hospital for a few weeks. I, I need to get out. And I said, you know, why don't you just let yourself be here and just, like, just say this is where I'm supposed to be right now. It's when we think we're supposed to be somewhere else Absolutely. and that there's some hurry. You know, I said, there's no finish line to, to get to. There's no race. You know, sort of a, it's, it's so much about being mindful in this moment and not judging it whether it's a good one or a bad one. Mm-hmm. It just is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's, and it's that judging says it's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to have to suffer. I'm not supposed to have pain. I'm not supposed to have this challenge, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So There's, there's a great Marine slogan. Uh, the U.S. Marine Corps, I was at a county fair once, and they had a, a booth where they were, you know, trying to recruit people. And they had a T-shirt that said, Pain is weakness leaving the body. And I thought, nobody wants to be in pain, but it truly is, whatever you go through, it, it makes you stronger, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it does. If you go through it. If you go but through it, it. But yeah. most of us want to avoid it as long exactly. as we can. Exactly, yeah. And that, that resistance just makes it, prolongs it, and it, postpones it because it's inevitable. And I think the resistance hurts more than the actual thing we're going through. I agree. I agree. Couldn't agree more. So, okay, you, you, you mentioned uh, being newly widowed, and that was another grievous experience in your life, and then you were a single parent for a while. Well, no, I, wasn't, I have not been widowed, but I was just saying these are lessons apply to anybody oh, who's okay. going through those. You know, I've had friends who've lost partners. But, um, no, I took kind of a zigzag route with relationships. I had my daughter when I was 21, and I wasn't married, and it was, a, it was quite a crisis in my life at the time, being 21, and came from this Irish Catholic family, and wasn't, you know, anything my parents expected of me, and it was a difficult time for all of us. And then I spent a lot of years trying to find her a dad instead of being the best mom I could be. Mm-hmm. I think there's, some, there's so much pressure on single parents, especially women, that you have to have that other half. You know, and it is the ideal to have two parents, of course, but many people don't. And I think I had to learn that if I could just be a better mom and enjoy my time with her, I didn't have to be out guilt shopping for a dad for her, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and that, that whole pressure to uh, not just guilt shop for a dad, but also to be both dad and mom. Oh, yeah. A single parent, which is impossible. And, and uh, 
and really unnecessary. You're right, and there is a lot of pressure in society that, you know, everything is blamed on the single mom. If somebody gets in trouble, well, they only have one parent. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, maybe that kid would have gotten in trouble anyway with two parents. You know, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've literally had kids come into my office and say, you know, I thought that I was doing okay until I went to school. My teacher told me I came from a broken home. <laughs> <laughs> What's a broken home? What does that mean? You know, oh, so you're we, right. Yeah, we've got these ideas in our heads, and we perpetuate the ideas, and they make our pains more difficult. You know, that, to call something a broken home, that sounds so tragic when... You know, there are two-parent households where there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of breaking going on. And, you know, I think that it might not be the, the great picture to have one parent, but, boy, when you spend time with your child and make it memorable, it, you know, it all turns out okay. That's right. That's exactly right. All right. Well, we're going to talk some more about this right after the break. Stay tuned. We're talking today to Regina Brett about God Never Blinks. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by Spirituality and Health Magazine, the Soul Body Connection, one of America's most prestigious spiritual magazines. It publishes six times a year and offers an amazing array of information for the seeker, both in print and online. Check them out at www.spiritualityhealth.com. And check out that cover story in the July-August issue called Find Your Avatar by Emma Sapala. Or go online to search for back issues for wonderful life-affirming articles. You'll be glad you did. And today we're talking to Regina Brett about her book, God Never Blinks. Very popular book filled with very simple life lessons uh, that tell us all about what we might anticipate and how we can learn from that. And uh, so we were talking just before the break about this whole idea of, of, of finding the gift and how to, how, to, how to be present in the moment and those kind of things covered in the last segment. You believe strongly in miracles, Regina. Can you tell us what you mean by the word miracle and give us some examples from your life, maybe from the book? You know, I think an, a miracle is being pre- completely present in the moment of something happening and and being dazzled by the beauty of it. I don't think it's got to do with some magic happening that's supernatural. That I think it's this deep appreciation that goes beyond the norm. But I don't think it's out of reach. You know, I have a new grandson. He's a year and a half old, and and he's a miracle every time I see the joy in him. I mean, I just think, wow, this little guy was created out of two people. And I know it seems like we take that for granted, but it's a miracle. I live a mile or two from the Cleveland Clinic, and they, you know, put new hearts in people. And they, you know, I'm, it's amazing the miracles that we just sort of take for granted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think too, people have a lot of stories in their lives. I share a couple in the book uh, of people that I think a miracle, it's almost like you need to be the miracle and acknowledge the miracle, you know. Be the miracle. Yeah. That's what that means. Yeah, I think we're all waiting for somebody else. You know, we're waiting for somebody to cure cancer. We're waiting for somebody else to take care of the, the people in Haiti. We're waiting for somebody else to be the one that makes the difference. You know, I think that we each are part of that miracle. If we each do our part, and I can't do all of the things in the world, but I can decide, okay, where is my place? My place for me is I, I have a, an ability to write, and that's where I put my gift in the world. I'm not trying to be a great pianist. I'm not trying to be in the Cleveland Orchestra. You know, I'm supposed to do my part and do my little piece and put that in the world. And I think if everybody offered their piece, we'd see a lot more miracles happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that totally. Yeah, and, um, you know, we were just talking just before the break. I recently read, or during the break, uh, where the audience couldn't hear us, uh, I read an article in Psychology Today called, I Could Have Been a Contender. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about this whole idea that we compare ourselves to other people and feel unsuccessful in what you've just said about that. It means everything because if we're just comparing ourselves to ourselves and just being what it is we are here to be, then we, we are the miracle. We are the miracle. I agree, Andrea. You know, there's a, one of the lessons in the book is don't compare your life to others. You have no idea what their journey is all about. And I quote a minister, Frederick Buechner, who who says, everybody has a calling. Everybody has a mission that they've kind of come here, like their assignment. And he says, the way you know it is, it's where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And I love that because it's what you love to do, what makes you joyful, but you do it where the world needs it most. And I think it's like a two-part equation. Uh 
and and so uh, you know if I for me if I was writing you know I love to write but if I were was writing advertisements for deodorant I wouldn't be real happy it's not my thing it's not where I'm called but I'm writing as a journalist uh, writing lessons that can inspire people to to do more with their lives or embrace their lives more deeply so I am like in that place where wow it feels so perfect and you don't have to it doesn't have to be a huge thing in life I was parking my car one day and I went to leave the little lot and the attendant at the um, just where you pay your money to get out of the, the lot, the parking attendant, was so joyful and blessed me and said a little prayer over me. And I was stunned that here's a person making minimum wage in a hot parking lot and acting as if this is his ministry because he believes it is. Yeah, absolutely. He was like a welcome mat for everybody. Mm-hmm. He didn't just say, I'm the guy taking your money and that's it. It's like I get to greet everybody who passes my way. Right, right. So we can... We can just fulfill ourselves, and that meets some kind of hunger in the world. It does, and I think that, you know, being the miracle means you do your part 100%, and your part might seem so tiny, but the world needs your part, and they don't need you to try to be the next Oprah Winfrey. We already have her. You don't have to be the next Mother Teresa. We had her. You need to be you 100% with whatever gift, and your gift isn't too small. I think sometimes we think our gift isn't good enough, so we try to, like you said, go on the Internet, you're on... TV looking at, like, I should dance like that person, I should sing like that person. And, you know, Susan Boyle, the woman that got up and and wowed everybody on American Idol, because she didn't look like the movie star, but she shared her gift and her song, and people were dazzled. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and yes, we do, absolutely. We live in a society right now that we want the sitcom resolution to our problems, and we want to be famous overnight, and we want to get rich quick, and we we want it all right now. And uh, that what that does is keep us in a state of sort of perpetual misery because we don't have it all right now. And, and Angie, I think you're right. And and we all have moments where when we've just been ourselves, we can feel like a moment of bliss that you go, wow, like you're in that zone. doesn't happen often, but where you're totally focused on just being yourself the best you can in the moment you're in. And there's like a peace you feel. And I think, just imagine if everybody did that every day, what the world would feel like and be like. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Absolutely, because that's an inner journey, and we're not, we're basically taught to keep, stay outside, stay in the external. Keep busy, outside. that's right. It's like yeah. the rat on the wheel, you know. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And and living on the edge is living on the rim of the wheel. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the multitasking, that's another thing. Oh, my goodness. If you're at a restaurant now, you'll see people eating dinner, and they'll be on the phone talking to different people, and no one's talking to the person they're sitting with at the table. I've watched this a few times, and I think, that, you know, family out to dinner, and one dad's on the Blackberry, mom's on her cell phone, the kids are texting. And I'm thinking, but nobody's present. They're all doing something else, you yeah. know? Absolutely. Absolutely. That being present is a big old thing, isn't it? I think it is. You know, I really do. You know, and that's part of being the miracle. You know, when I say be the miracle, a woman here in the Cleveland area... 12 years ago, wanted to start an, uh, some kind of place where people have cancer could go and get anything they needed. If they wanted to come and meditate or exercise or talk to an expert about their insurance problems or have Reiki done on them or, you know, anything. She had this vision that they could come here and do it, have it everything for free. And I thought, this woman's crazy. Like, how could you, how can that happen for free? She built a thing called a gathering place. It's 10 years old now. Because she said, I want to be the miracle here. I'm going to create something that doesn't exist. She can't cure cancer, but she created a place you could come to. Anybody who's been touched by cancer can walk in the door, and anything they need is free, and it's all run by donations because she believed big enough. Beautiful, 
Beautiful. And the lesson in that is that you believe big enough and you can make whatever happen that you think is true for you. Yeah. And again, she just, she did it in her little corner of the world. You know, you can create your own little pocket of greatness wherever you are, whether you're a waitress or a parking lot attendant or a journalist or a doctor. You know, you don't have to have a PhD to be, to be a miracle around, around the world. Right, right. So what about healing? What about uh, spontaneous healing? That's what people typically think of as, as, as miracles. What about that? You know, I think there are those things that we, where people can be healed physically, spiritually, you know, emotionally, mentally, all those things. I know for me, when I had cancer, I had prayed and really, you know, blessed my body and did everything I could on a spiritual plane. And you know what? And it still was cancer. And I just said, you know what? I, apparently, this is the journey I'm supposed to be on, and we're going to make this holy. You know, I think sometimes we feel like, oh, gosh, I'm not praying right because this headache's not going away, right? I didn't pray right because I got cancer. I don't, I don't understand the whole realm of, of spirituality, but I do know that when something comes my way in life and I've done my best to be mindful and present and bless it and it's still there, then I say, well, there must be a gift in this and I'm going to embrace the experience and walk with it. And I think healing comes sometimes along the way. I think, uh, you know, we want to have, have things quickly go away, whether it's a difficulty physically or something in our family. A lot of us have family members that we struggle with, you know, and you want to, you know, make, make things change overnight. And I think that it might be a process and that the healing takes place in a time frame that isn't ours. As you're going. As you go, you know. My friend Jerry, it's one of my lessons, give time time. I used to hate that. I'm like, oh, Jerry, don't tell me that one again. Ugh. I want to speed it up, man. I want the end. Give me the crystal ball. Tell me how it ends, and then I'll be okay. You know, and, and I think the greater gift is to learn to be okay even when you can't see how it all ends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that develops, that is to me how you really develop uh, like a spiritual strength in the world. You know, you don't need faith if everything goes your way. Exactly. That's not faith. <laughs> yeah, you don't, yeah, and you don't need faith if you already know how it's going to turn out. Right. Yeah. It's that when you've got to let go and you're, you know, a friend of mine, Barb, used to say, it's like when you go to the circus and you're watching the people on the trapeze, you know, they climb up that long ladder way up there and they're, they swing out on a bar, but before they can reach that other bar, they've got to let go of the one they're hanging on to. Well, we don't want to let go because when you let go... You're soaring. You're hanging on to nothing. And I always want the next bar before I let go of the one I'm on. And she said, you've got to let go or you'll be torn in half. I mean, you can't hang on to both bars. <laughs> but most of us want the other bar before we let go. Absolutely, we do. Absolutely. Because our security doesn't rest in our inner sense of the divine or ourselves. Mm-hmm. It rests in external, yeah. in the externals. That's true. That's true. And the only way to, to get that deep faith in the internal and the divine is to go through that letting go. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Regina Brett about God Never Blinks. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. Ah! 
There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific time on the voice america business channel awakened media for a transforming world seventh wave network Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back again. You know, Regina, we talked last time, uh, we talked in the very beginning segment a little bit about forgiveness. I want to go back to that for a little while if we can, because that word has taken on, as we said, so much baggage. And I, I just want to explore that for a minute and say why it is that, that forgiveness is important. You know, I think it's important for a number of reasons. One, I think people think it's about forgiving that other person and it does something for them, but they they don't realize how much it does for you. You know, when I harbor a resentment or, uh, you know, an injury that's just been there for years and I keep playing it over, and I, I'm I'm not free. I'm st- I'm the one who's stuck, not just that person. That person's probably not even thinking about me anymore, and I'm still rehashing everything they said or did. And for me to forgive them is releasing me. It's, let, it's letting me go free, too. That's why I think it's so important. I think so many of us are so bottled up in, in hurt, you know, whether it's anger or just being sad over injuries that happen to us or supposed injuries. Sometimes the person might not even know they, they, they hurt you. I mean, I've done that where I might have said something unkind and I was so busy I didn't even know it came out of my mouth, and I find out weeks later somebody's still hurt by it. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, my goodness, I'm glad I found out because now I can do something about it. But I think a lot of us carry those. That It's almost like an energy we store that's not a good energy. And we're walking around with it. And for me, you know, my dad was so overwhelmed with 11 kids. And he put on roofs for a living in the summer. And he fixed furnaces in the winter. And he must have been overwhelmed with the bills. And there are times where he'd go into rage and yell and get the belt. And, you know, and whoever was right in front of him would be the one who'd get hit. And I know he did the best he could with what he had. 
Now, that doesn't mean I just forgave him and, oh, life is grand and fine. You know, I went through some years of counseling to really deal with, gosh, the hurt I felt and being afraid of him and being a little bit afraid of life because of having that experience. But in time, I had to release him and say, you know what? He did the best he could, and it wasn't what I wanted all the time and what I needed, but I want to free him so I can be free so that every guy I date isn't my dad, every boss I have isn't my dad, because for a while, any time there was conflict, I would revert back to being afraid of being hurt. Mm-hmm. And when I finally could let my dad go, it's like I could finish growing up on the inside. Absolutely. That is so well said, and that is exactly, I think, what happens. And don't, isn't it true that we basically end up having to forgive life for being life? Yeah, you know, it's just life. I mean, it truly is, and it's going to be messy. You know, I used to think I'd get to some place where life would be easy and it'd be, it would go my way, basically, <laughs> you know. And I realized, you know what, life is messy. Just when you think it's all fine, something happens. That's life. My friend Rose, who just passed away a year or two ago, she said, it's not impossible, it's just life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, and and at the end, we do pass away. We do die at the end. And do you have any lessons for us about that? Well, yeah, you know, one of the great gifts I got from having breast cancer, and I can call it a gift now, is, you know, we think that we're going to live forever. You sort of assume it. And the wake-up call I got was, you know what, we're, we're all, nobody gets out of here alive, you know. What, no matter what you believe after this life, this body's going to go. And I need to every day celebrate who I am and what my life is about. You know, cancer reminded me that we have an expiration date. We don't know when it is, but it's out there. And so I'm gonna, I'm not going to wait to forgive somebody. I'm not going to wait to make that amend. I'm going to do it today. Now, it isn't like every day I'm afraid I'm going to die, but every day I know that death is part of life. You know, it's not something I, once I get to be 90, then I die. I have no idea when it happens. So I'm going to, as much as I can, embrace it right now, live it to the fullest. I tell people I live the hell out of every day. You know, don't miss an opportunity to grow, to be kind, to have some wonderful moment happen. Right. You know, I kind of think of it like raising my kids. When my kids were little, I was just so aware of the fact that they were going to grow up one day and they would be gone, and I was really going to enjoy every chance I had to be with them because I loved being with them so much. And I think of it that same way, that the moments of the life are the same exact thing. We don't always get to have it, but we can cherish it while we have it. That's a good. That's a good point. You know, what the one of the lessons of the book Thirty Seven is: your children get only one childhood. Make it memorable. You know, and to make it memorable, you have to be present for it. And uh, as a single mom, I really try to make my daughter my priority. I've realized you're right. That you only get they get one childhood. That's it. I have my whole life to work on my career. I have my whole life to learn how to play piano or speak Spanish or whatever I want to do. But I got one shot to be a really good mom and savor all that time with them. And then they grow up. And then they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. You have, you have your chance. And what's funny, Andrea, is when, back when I was raising my daughter as a single mom, you know, I used to lament that I didn't have the money to take her to Disneyland and we didn't go on vacations and we didn't buy the new, newest clothes at the Gap. You know, we shopped at garage sales a lot. And those are our best memories, though, are the small stuff we did, not the gigantic things I wished I could have provided. You know, we, we used to go sled riding on a little cafeteria tray that I had from college, and we still laugh about that. You know, we didn't go to the toboggan run and pay the money. We just did the simple things, and those were the best memories of all. Absolutely, absolutely, because those are the ones that are the most intimate. We're, we're yeah. connected there, aren't we? 
Yeah, and I think that's a, a thing, too, with the book, is to, to be present with your kids while you have them. You know, the funny thing is when you have teenagers, you try to talk to them all day and they don't want to talk to you. Then it's midnight and they want to, like, open their heart out and you're, like, falling asleep. And what I learned is, you know what? There's an opening. Take it. I can always get more sleep, but my 16-year-old might not want to share this with me tomorrow. That's right. That's right. And in the back seat of the car. You're right. Oh, yeah, in the, in the drives, you know. Yeah. Yep. You're driving along, and from the back seat, you hear, Mom, what is sex? And you're like, oh, geez, you almost crashed the car, but there's your, there's your moment. Take That's it. right. When you and got I it, to take it. look in your eyes while we talked about this, but no. Yeah. That. Yeah, so, yeah, take it where it is and, and forgive life for being what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. I, I find myself saying that often through the day. You know, things just don't go my way. I'm like, you know, Regina, it is what it is, and it was supposed to go somebody else's way. Let it go. And when I just let it go, it, and forgive life, okay, life, I, I didn't like that, but we're going to forgive you and move on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. makes it so much easier to, to get through a day. Absolutely, and, and we think it will be easier if we make life do what we want it to do, and there's so much out there right now with regard to a lot of, even the, even the information on the law of attraction is, you know, go get from life what you need it to be, and I, I want to say, well, okay, yeah, that's fine, but also don't forget that life is already what it needs to be. It is, and there, you know, I'm learning to embrace the abundance that already exists. Sometimes I want to impose something better. I, I think better on it, and realize, you know what? It's supposed to be exactly the way it is, and I need to accept that. You know, I don't know about you, Andrew, but I can look back in my life and say, oh, gee, when I wanted to be married to so and so at age 20, I'm so glad that didn't work out. You know. <laughs> Because at the time, I thought that was the best it was ever going to get. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, you know, when your heart breaks and somebody dumps you and you think, oh, geez, it'll never get better. I'll never meet anybody. And then somebody wonderful comes along and you think, wow, I didn't know that was going to happen. Or a job. You lose a job. I interviewed a woman once who got laid off after 30 years in American Greetings, and she loved the job. Mm-hmm. And she didn't know what to do, was, was devastated. Two years later, her high school that she loved created a position. It was just made for her. She's there now at St. Joe's Academy, loves it. And she said, this is my mission in life. This is better than anything. She goes, if I didn't get laid off, I never would have found this. Exactly. So we we just can't see it at the time. Yeah, we can't. And we we want it to turn out the way we want it to turn out. And we're kind Mm -hmm. of stamping our little feet and saying, how come, how come? (laughs) You're right. I look at my little grandson who, you know, he wants to play with a knife. It's like, no, you can't. You'll get hurt. But he doesn't know that. And I look at my life and think, oh, it's the knife I think I want, but it's not mine. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. So forgiveness is really all about sort of a kind of acceptance where we just kind of say, okay, that's how it is. Yeah, I think you come to accept it, and I think it's a process. You know, it isn't it isn't just a decision. You know, I couldn't just say, okay, I'm going to forgive my dad or, um, um, you know, my daughter's dad dropped out of her life. And, you know, it's felt, I felt so sad that he wasn't a part of her life. And I had to forgive him and say, you know what, I don't understand how he, he could miss out on her whole life, but I don't know who he is and what he's about and what his journey is. So I'm just going to bless him. Every time I think of that sadness for her, I'm just going to bless him and say, God, I hope he's chosen what's best for him, and I and I got to trust that my daughter's going to get what she needs. Mm-hmm. And she said many times, she said, "Mom, we are so close because it's just the two of us." And as much as it would have been great to have my dad, we have a relationship that's so wonderful that maybe this is the gift on the other side of that. Absolutely. And we and you said a little while ago the ideals for for children to be married. I mean, have be have two parents, and I. I think that is the ideal, but I'm not sure it's always necessarily what is best for the children. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes the worst thing is for them to, to the two parents to stay married. 
You're right, because there are some marriages where it's not a happy place for kids to be, you know. Absolutely. So when we talk about our children, we also want so much for them to not, to to be protected from all of life's difficulties, you know, sort of um, to keep them safe from anything that would harm them or hurt them. But Mm -hmm. in fact, just like us, they have to learn from life too. They do. You know, one of the best lessons I got was when uh, we were going on vacation a few years ago and we go from Cleveland down to North Carolina out to the Outer Banks, and it's beautiful. And my daughter was going to drive down with her cousin, and she was in her 20s, and I thought, oh, my goodness, it's an 11-hour drive. She's young, and I wanted to map it all out for her and plan it. And she said, no, we'll be fine. I don't, I don't need your help, Mom. And I kept thinking, how is she going to do this whole trip by herself? You know, because I'm a parent, and I worry about every bad thing that can happen to my child. And, and she did, I didn't know. She took a map, and finally I had to say, Regina, you have to let go and let and trust her way of doing things and let her figure it out. And the whole time they were, you know, she she left a few, a few days after us and was coming down. And so, you know, that day that she was on the road, I was worrying and worrying. And she showed up an hour early, and she said, Oh, mom, we found it. We found a new route. She pulled out a map, had marked a whole new way to come down that we'd never taken. And I realized I would have robbed her of that moment of glory of showing off that she figured it out in a better way than we figured it out. Absolutely. And I felt like God was saying, you know what, you sometimes got to let her do it her way because it might be better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just like us. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, we'll be back for the final segment of our show today, talking with Regina Brett about God Never Blinks. Stay tuned. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. Skills USA can help. What is Skills USA? Skills USA is life changing. Skills USA is awesome. Skills USA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. Skills USA is amazing. Skills USA is motivating. Skills USA specifically prepares you for the workforce. Skills USA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. Skills USA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at skillsusa.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. You live for the firsts in your child's life. But how do you cope with the firsts that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. 
CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back with our final segment talking with Regina Brett about her book, Never, God Never Blinks, 50 Lessons for Life's Little Detours. And we've had a very enjoyable interview, and I want to give the listeners an opportunity to find out more about you, Regina. So can you tell us some more ways that perhaps listeners can learn more about you? Sure. I have a website, godneverblinks.com, and on my website I've got uh, a blog, I've got information on the, if you want to have me speak at an event, I've got a... Just everything you'd want to know about me, a little background of me about as a writer, as a mom, as a cancer survivor. There's some kind of frequently asked questions people might have about how to become a writer or how to get through cancer, so there's some tips there, and that's GodNeverBlinks.com. Great, great. All right. Well, you guys go there and check that out because you will not be sorry you did. Um, so, okay, we want to be sure and cover... Um, some issues that are relevant to us all today, particularly with regard to how to survive in our world. And today we're seeing a lot of unemployment, a lot of financial upheaval. So did you have lessons in your book that related to that? You know, I I share some of the lessons in the book that helped me when I was at the point in my life where I was trying to look for the right job and I kept finding something that paid the bills but I didn't really love. One of the lessons is if you don't ask, you don't get I think too often, you know, we go to a website, you know, one of the monster.com or hotjobs.com where there's like nothing out there for us or we're networking and nothing seems to work. You know, the way I got my job at the plane dealer, one day I was working at another newspaper and I decided, you know what, I would love to work for this paper in my hometown where I'm living. So I picked up the phone and I said, Regina, if you don't ask, you don't get. I called the editor of the newspaper. My hands were trembling. My heart was pounding. And I said, you know, can we have coffee or breakfast or lunch and talk about column writing? And he said, sure. He probably figured he had nothing to lose. So one of my other lessons is over-prepare and go with the flow. So I over-prepared. I put together all my writing clips, my resume. I wrote down like 10 reasons he should hire me and put together a whole packet to give him. I had breakfast with him, and at the end of that hour and a half, he said, great, I want to hire you. There wasn't a job that existed. Nobody called me. There wasn't even an application to fill out. I just decided, you know what? The worst they could do is say no. And I think sometimes we just say, well, there's no jobs. There might be one job, and that's all you need is the right one. So don't give up. If you don't ask, you don't get. Exactly. And what you did was you followed your own inner urging. You didn't just say, oh, well, you said, I would like to have this. So you went and tried to find out if you could get it. Yeah. And, and Andrea, I used to have fear stop me. I, I'm, I'm a scaredy cat my whole life. You know, one of those people that I'm afraid of everything. And now I'm not. Because you know what? You just got to walk through that fear. Yeah, they might say no. But if they say no, you're, you're at the same place you were before you made the phone call. 
Right. You're not any worse. Another, another step that might be helpful, when in doubt, just take the next right step. That's one of my lessons. And when I wanted to go back to college and finish, I dropped out of college when, when I got pregnant at 21. You know, I was so scared of making that big leap and finishing and paying the money and taking the time. And I said, you know what? What's the next right step? Get the catalog, get a highlighter, mark the courses that you're interested in. Pay the admission fee. Take the, break it down into small, doable steps. If you need to go back to school, you know, just explore school. You know, if you need to get unemployment benefits, okay, do the next right step. You know, sometimes it just seems insurmountable, so big. Writing a resume, okay, just start with the first line, you know, one step by one step by one step. Mm-hmm. Or start somewhere in the middle and fill in the yeah. other <laughs> yeah, and that yeah that works that works too. And the one of the last lessons I think is helpful is when it comes to going after what you love in life, don't take no for an answer. When I wanted to be a journalist, I sent out thirty resumes and I got thirty rejection letters. And I thought, oh my goodness, I finally finished college after ten years. It took me, and now there's no job. I couldn't believe it. And I thought, you know what? You just got to keep at it. And a door opened. And then the next door opened, and I, it's been wonderful. For 24 years, I've been a journalist, and I've loved every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that, and what you're saying there, as I hear it, is if you follow what, you're, what you really love, instead of caving in, mm-hmm. then you, you eventually will get what you really love. You do, and I think you have to believe that there is the, the place for you out there. You know, I keep hearing people say, well, there aren't any jobs in this field. You know what? I know of people in the last few months that have gotten jobs that have been wonderful because they found the right one for them. Now, there might not have been 50 jobs at that company, but there was one, and they made themselves the right person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, keep opening the door to the right job for you, the right place for you. And I don't believe in competition. I believe there's a right thing for everybody. There's one right place, and I'm not competing for it. So when this job for me came open at the plane dealer, it was it was because it was the right fit for Regina Brett. Yep. You know, yep. I don't worry about competition. A friend of mine used to say, it's like, if you want to lay out in the sun and get a suntan, there's always enough sun to go around. <laughs> beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, I so agree with you, and that's such a, uh, that's such a uh, novel concept for us in America because we, ha- we have sort of, we thought, we built ourselves on competition. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, our companies, you know, you'll see one store build uh, uh, on a block and you'll see another store that's competitive oh, build yeah. right near it so that they can compete with each other and build each other up. So that's what we think is how that works. But really what, what you're saying is that we, whatever's yours is yours and nobody else is going to get it. Right, because it was designed for you. I truly believe that, that on a, a divine level, on a spiritual basis, there is a place in this world for Regina Brett. Mm-hmm. And no, and I don't have to compete to get it. And if I'm not in that place, I'm going to be uncomfortable and unhappy and miserable because I'm in somebody else's place. Right. And I think you know, if a lot of people would leave the job they hate to to go to the job that they might love, it would open up that job for the next person. Absolutely, absolutely. That's very well said, and I'm real glad you said that because in this day when there is so much unemployment, we tend to think, oh, just get me a job, just hurry and get me mm-hmm. a job. But I think maybe. This is all happening for a reason, too, and it may be so that we can search a little deeper and go after something more real. That's a great way to look at it, Andrea. I, I, I think that if you see it that way, it could be like a great reshuffling, some cosmic reshuffling of jobs and, and lives. And, of course, it's unpleasant and scary and all that, but if a few people here are downsized and they leave that to find something they truly love, you know what? They're going to like my friend at the American Greetings. She found something she loved even more. Mm-hmm. 
you know, before this big financial crisis occurred, I, I often saw people in therapy that were unemployed, they'd been fired or laid off or whatever, and it very often turned out that they found something, as they began to explore themselves, they found something more true to who they were because they got laid off or fired. Sure. Sometimes we're not going to... We're not going to leave our comfort zone. We have to be kicked out of it. <laughs> you know, I found that in relationships, you know, I'd, I'd be with the wrong person, and uh, it didn't work, and it got unpleasant, and, I'm, you know, I was unhappy and realized, you know what, I'm not with the right partner for me. That's somebody else's partner. Not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. It's just the wrong match. Yep. That's it. Just the wrong match. My daughter was engaged to a guy, great guy, didn't work out, and she said, you know what, we both found somebody down the road, and we're happy, and we needed to release each other because we had a different match somewhere else. That's right. That's exactly right. And we're, we get so stuck on, I've got to have this because this feels right. And, mm-hmm. You know, and it really, when, you know, when there's a lot, of, a lot of information that we're getting that says it's not right, that's not right. I, I think some of it's to really trust that there's a goodness and a, a, and a power in the world that, like, I guess believing in goodness instead of believing in the unemployment figures and the doom and the gloom and so much of, I hate to say it, what, what you see sometimes on TV and the newspaper, I wrote that, but there is a lot of goodness in the world, and that's where I want to put my magnifying glass. Absolutely, and then what a great note to end on. And next week, you know that show we missed on June the 9th when Carolyn Mice was unable to be here? Well, she's coming back next week, and we're going to be talking about defying gravity. So stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.